The Gonzaga coaching staff is back out on the recruiting trail, taking a look at a few very high-level recruits in the class of 2024. More on those two young men from Jason Jordan of Sports Illustrated right here on the Locked On Zags podcast. Don't go away. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to bring you news and updates on all things Zag athletics. I'd also like to thank LinkedIn Jobs for being the official college recruiting sponsor across the Locked On College Network. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Terms and conditions apply. All right, I am joined once again today by Jason Jordan of Sports Illustrated. The Zags are out on the recruiting trail. The coaching staff out there looking at a few high-profile guys in 2024. Uh, Jason, you and I have already talked about a few guys that I know that the staff has visited recently. Zoom Diallo, who was in Spokane last weekend, got an offer from the Zags. And Jamari Phillips, who I know Coach Brian Michelson is out watching right now. But I want to talk about two other guys who we haven't talked about yet both from prolific prep high school in California. That would be Vez Missy and Paul McNeil, both on that squad, both reportedly being visited by Gonzaga's coaching staff. Uh, both have a lot of Power 5 offers already, two really talented kids. Uh, I want to start with McNeil. He's a big guard, bunch of offers already on the table. What can you tell me about this guy and, and how he might fit at Gonzaga? Oh, I love, 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 love Paul's game. Um, did a story on him back in July. Um, watched him there on the Adidas circuit. He played with Garner Road. Um, and, um, you know, he had a big summer. Well, he was coming off a big um, year where, you know, in which he won Gatorade Player mm-hmm. of the Year in the state of North Carolina. That's only happened twice. Mm-hmm. He's the second time that's ever happened in the history of the Gatorade Awards uh, mm-hmm. that that has happened where a sophomore has won. And, you wow. know, he had a dominant sophomore season so mm-hmm. and i'm here in north carolina i can tell you he deserved to win that award yeah. um based off the pro and then you know pro- north carolina is a hot bed for recruiting so that should say sure. a lot yeah um but i you know six six five probably six 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 five mm-hmm. just but very shifty um mm-hmm. it's it's tough to be shifty at that size yeah is why i even bring it up um but he is he is super shifty um and gets to his spot super Super easy. I've never seen anybody uh, mm-hmm. that can stay in front of him. It's specifically, I remember at the Adidas All-American camp, um, nobody could really stay in front of him. Um, and so when you're shifty like that at that size and that length, I think yeah. it's wingspan is like 6'9 or something like yeah. that, yeah. which is crazy, right? It's off mm-hmm. the chart. Um, super athletic. And then he knocks down shots up from the perimeter efficiently. So, mm-hmm. you know, on the most basic level, if you're knocking down shots efficiently from the three-point three-point mm-hmm. NBA three-point line extended yeah. but you're super shifty and long mm-hmm. it's gonna be a hard night you know yeah. for, most, for even the best defenders right yeah you know it's the whole adage of uh great D beats great on mm-hmm. ten, seven days out of the week you know yeah um, and so he just really fits that mode and then on the defensive end he's uh, he really competes mm-hmm. really tries and um you know at his size and length and his agility 
um, he's able to be a, a lockdown defender on the defensive end of the floor. Um, a guy I'm obviously very high on. Yeah. Um, and definitely one of the best players on the Adidas. I think he had, it was 19-6-3 and three, um, on the Adidas. Sir. I mean, Jeez. you know, so it, definitely one of the best players. And he was one of the best players at the Adidas All-American camp. So mm-hmm. a guy who I think will – I think his stock will only rise yeah. at prolific because a prolific prep is a national powerhouse. Mm-hmm. And um, I think his stock is going to rise even more there prolific. But like you said, he's not hurting for offers, Yeah, but I think he'll, 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 you know, I think he'll ascend in the class after this season. Does he strike you as a guy who's maybe not going to have quite his pick of any school out there, but it seems like at this point with, with the offers he already has, with the yeah. fact that he's going to be a prolific, like, is this a guy who borderline gets to spin a wheel and pick whatever school he wants to go to? Or do you think that he kind of fits specific programs better than others? No, he'll, he'll get his pick. I think, cause he's going to wait, you know, yeah. he's going to wait. Like he's not trying to rush. And I think he wants to get, uh, you know, all the offers that he can. I don't know that he's zeroed in on one offer. Um, right. you know, he's a North Carolina kid. So mm-hmm. you know, he's got North Carolina's already on him. Um, yeah. you know, I, I think he's on the Duke radar a little bit, sure. you know, so, yeah. um, I think he wants all those offers, though. And I know Kentucky's on him, too. But mm-hmm. um, I, I, he wants his pick of the litter. And so yeah. I think he's going to hold out to get it. Absolutely. Um, I mean, he's going to those schools, you know. Mm-hmm. But I know he's going to um, take his time and do his due diligence. I know he comes from that type of family. So mm-hmm. um, they're going to certainly do their due diligence. Great Absolutely. kid, too. Like, great kid off the court. Um, one of the best to deal with. Um, mm-hmm. Very, very, very mature. And he's actually his age. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which I better say that far because that's not always true. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. All right. I want to move on to the other guy from the same high school, Yves Missy. Uh, he has some incredible offers already on the table as well. Baylor, Kansas, Ohio State, Michigan, among the many schools that have already yeah. made an offer here. Uh, You'd be hard pressed to find a program that's developed bigs better than Gonzaga over the last five to 10 ish years. Uh, So certainly hard to imagine. They're not going to be a significant player here if they are interested. Uh, What can you tell me about this kid and his game? Yeah. Well, Kentucky's involved with him too. He's, uh, you know, had a great summer with PSA Cardinals, um, six, 11 rim runner, super athlete. Mm -hmm. um, And just competes, 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 you know, every play on both ends of the court, I mean, he's a joy to watch. It's a coach's mm-hmm. dream, right? Like, he's a guy who's going to – lunch pail guy, bringing it to every yeah. time. Um, and so, a guy – high-energy guy, but super skilled. Like, I, you know, he's 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 got great timing on his shot blocking. Um, mm-hmm. He's a really capable rebounder. I think he was over, like, seven and a half, wow. like around seven uh, for mm-hmm. the summer. Um, but, you know, he's – where he's, he thrives on the offensive end is his ability to knock down like mid-range jump shots mm-hmm. and to finish with both hands. Um, he's got a really yeah. um, capable jump shot, soft hands, uh, great great physical prowess down there. So mm-hmm. he's able to overpower. I mean, he's 6'11". Yeah. He's strong, yeah. right? Um, but think about it like this. He's 6'11", strong, mm-hmm. and he plays with like a mean motor, yeah. you know? <laughs> So that's why he's able to be productive. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, he's a guy who, I mean, he's just starting to tap into his potential yeah. too, which is kind of scary. Mm-hmm. So um, that's why people rate him so high because they project him to, you know, get there, you know, in the near future. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's the guy who can still develop a lot. Yeah. And to your point, I think that will stand out mm-hmm. uh, a program who is able to develop his skill set, particular skill set, and that can show him like tangible mm-hmm. 
evidence of them being able to, to do that. So, but um, definitely a guy who's um, had a big summer and a big spring. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's hard for me to to not imagine Gonzaga's sales pitch is going to heavily involve looking at players like take your pick. Drew Timmy is is the most notable recent example yeah. of a guy who. He came to Gonzaga really good, but the amount of improvement he has had over the last few years is just tremendous. And a kid who already has some of those skills, already has that motor, that desire to get better. I mean, it's hard for me to imagine there are more than a handful of programs that are as good or better than Gonzaga at developing a kid like this. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. I mean, the footwork alone, they can just just do a whole Zoom call on (laughs) How they develop yeah football, absolutely you know what I'm saying, video and stuff like that jason thank you so much for coming on talking about these two kids uh very exciting i know gonzaga fans love to learn about the new guys that the staff is interested in so this is fantastic i really appreciate you taking the time absolutely man look forward to the next time all right thank you again to jason for joining me today second segment coming up is a preview of this year's craziness in the kennel and the updated gonzaga roster but before we get there i want to tell you all about bet online College basketball may be deep into the offseason, but college football and the NFL are just getting started, and the WNBA and MLB still have action left as well. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your betting needs and sports information. From all the latest odds, contests, and player props, you name it. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your latest sports developments, including podcasts and reviews for all the leagues this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. They even have lines for coaching changes across every major sport, so even in the offseason, you can get your fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, segment two, still Andy Patton, still Locked on Zags. And I want to thank you all for making Locked on Zags your first listen of the day. I also want to thank all of you who have watched the show on YouTube. And of course, those of you who have then subscribed to the YouTube channel, trying to get to a thousand before the start of the college basketball season, which is just under two months away. If you are a listener to the show and you haven't done so yet, go to youtube.com, search Locked on Zags, find the channel and hit that big orange subscribe button. It is much appreciated. All right, we are talking craziness in the kennel today. It is officially set for October 8th, 2022. That is, as I'm recording this, just three weeks away. College basketball is so, so close to being back. Craziness always marks the official start, at least in my head, of the college basketball season. It is set for 4 p.m. again on October 8th in the kennel, of course. There are going to be tickets available, so this is a free event. For those of you listening in Spokane, I know many of you are not in Spokane, probably don't have the ability to go to this event. Uh, Unfortunately, it will be televised in some capacity. I haven't gotten information on that yet, but it is a free event, but it is a ticketed event. So you cannot just show up the day of and hope to get in. You have to acquire a ticket. They announced the tickets will be available on the 5th and they will be available on Gonzaga's website. That is the extent of what I can provide information wise at this point on that. So if you're in the Spokane area or planning to travel there, keep your eyes peeled for an announcement a couple days ahead of time. I know it's frustrating for anybody trying to travel, but again, the event will be televised or at least streamed will be available to watch in some capacity. So hopefully those who want to see it are able to find a way to see it. Uh, For anybody who's new to Gonzaga or hasn't really participated or seen a craziness in the kennel 
before. It is the official first practice of the season. A lot of programs kind of do some kind of celebratory event in that regard. In this case, for the Zags, they do a three-point shootout, they do a dunk contest, and then they do a scrimmage between players on the roster. They have a blue team and a white team, kind of mix up the perceived starting lineups and give these guys a chance to really kind of go at each other in a controlled and not particularly competitive scrimmage environment. They're trying to win, obviously, but you're not going to see guys out there doing anything to potentially risk getting hurt. It's more of a kind of showmanship for the fans. Mark Few's not really out there doing a lot of coaching or critiquing or stopping play to kind of address things, things that I'm sure all happen in practice, but we're not seeing that in this. It's just kind of a, a, a fun event for the fans to get their first chance to look at some of these guys. And in this case, there are four players on the roster that Gonzaga fans will get to see in a Gonzaga uniform for the first time. That is, of course, the two transfers, Malachi Smith, the guard from Chattanooga, Efton Reed, the big man transfer from LSU, as well as incoming freshman Braden Huff, and the newest Zag, a Zag that many people are just hearing about for the first time, walk-on guard Kellen Mitchell. So obviously the Zags lost two walk-ons from last year's roster, Matthew Lang, who is now at the University of Arizona alongside Rem Bacamus and of course Tommy Lloyd, and then Will Graves, who is back in Oregon. He is at Southern Oregon University for his final year of eligibility. So the Zags had some room to add a walk-on. They have done so. Kellen Mitchell is the newest player on the roster. He's going to wear number four. It's going to look a little bit like Kevin Pangos out there. Uh, he's from Fairmont Prep High School in Muskegon, Michigan. He actually joined the roster in June, or at least announced in June via his Twitter account that he was planning to come to Gonzaga and that he was going to be on the basketball team. The roster coming out was the first time that we had officially seen his name on the roster. So it is confirmed. He has made the team. He is a walk-on for the team. He's a he's a big guard. He put up good numbers in high school. We don't know a whole lot else other than that. Uh, obviously, Gonzaga has had a pretty storied history with walk-ons, although in, it's it's been a while since they've had a walk-on who really stepped into a significant role. I think the closest we've seen lately has been Jeremy Jones, and that was a bit of a unique situation in the sense that Jeremy was already a college athlete by the time he came to Gonzaga as a walk-on. He was a transfer, but I, I believe he was a walk-on. I believe he wasn't on scholarship. I'm actually not 100% sure how that situation came to be. Mike Hart is, of course, the most notable example in the last decade, barely, <laughs> of, of being a walk-on who really kind of stepped into his own. He was a starter on the number one team in the country after being a guy who who spent the first craziness in the kennel that, that Mike Hart was a student at Gonzaga. He was sitting in the crowd. He watched the first craziness in the kennel, and I guess it would have been 2008 or 2009. And, and then shortly after that, he, he tried out for the team, made the team, and then a few years later, boom, he's starting. So an incredible story. One, you're probably not going to see very much more at Gonzaga just because the the, the reach of the program now and obviously things like the transfer portal, uh, instant eligibility, stuff like that makes it a little bit more challenging for walk-ons to really rise to that level. But again, Tommy Cousy was a walk-on. At St. Mary's, St. Mary's and Gonzaga are not recruiting at the same level these days, but that's still an incredible accomplishment for a player to do that. So it's not out of the question. I don't know nearly enough about Kellen Mitchell to give you any kind of guess as to whether he's going to be uh, the first walk on off the bench. Like there's always a couple guys that you're cheering for. You know, I remember we want Rem Chance. I remember Brian Baskar was a guy who got a lot of those chants. I know Lang got a lot of those chants. Will Graves got a lot of those chants. So there's guys on this team. Joe Few obviously is going to get them because he's the coach's kid. There's a little bit of an advantage that he has there. Colby Brooks and Abe Eagle are now entering their third seasons at Gonzaga. They have not played a minute 
of college basketball up to this point. I suspect that will change with Will and Matthew Lang out the door. I'm guessing that more opportunities for those guys to show up. Again, they're, they're going to still play in garbage time, probably like last minute of the game garbage time, because I think that some of the other guys, potentially Braden Huff, potentially Ben Gregg, Caden Perry, uh, are going to play more of the actual garbage time minutes, like the last five or six minutes in the half. But I think that we'll still see some of these walk-ons get some opportunities. Potentially that's Kellen Mitchell. Potentially it's more of Abe Eagle and Colby Brooks. Uh, I'm sure we'll see some Joe Few in there as well. But always nice to see another new player on the Gonzaga roster. And then the last thing I really wanted to touch on here in this segment was the only jersey change that we saw. Everybody else is keeping their same number. Malachi Smith picked up number 13, which is what he wore at Chattanooga. Efton Reed picked up number 15, which is what he wore at LSU. Braden Huff picked up number 34, which is what he wore in high school. I already mentioned Kellen Mitchell's wearing number four. But Hunter Salas, Hunter Salas is changing his jersey number. He wore number 10 last year as a true freshman in the program. This year he is switching back to number five. Five is what he wore in high school. Five is what he wanted to wear when he came to Gonzaga. Reportedly, he asked if he could have number five. They said, hey, there's somebody on the team who already has it. They asked that player, which it was Martinez Arlauskas for any detectives out there who want to look at last year's roster. Martinez wanted to keep the number. He was the veteran guy, Hunter immediately was okay with that, said, yep, absolutely. Uh, I'll, I'll, you know, I'm a freshman. I'll take my number. I'm going to be number 10. And so he was number 10 last year, but now, of course, Martinez has departed the program and Hunter has taken back his number, number five. Excited for him. I don't think jersey numbers are particular. They're, they're not important in the sense that it's, it's not a lot of analysis regarding them, but it's important to the players. And I think it's nice for us to get used to seeing players in certain uniforms. Like, as I was saying, some of these numbers, I could very quickly recall players who, who wore those numbers. I said Malachi Smith wore 13. I thought of Kelly Olenek. I said Efton Reed wore 15. And I thought of Brandon Clark. I saw Braden Huff wearing 34. As, of course, Chet Holmgren's number from last year. So it always kind of invokes a memory or a reminder about certain players who have worn those uniforms. So I do think it's cool. And I think it's nice that Hunter gets to wear the number that he wants to wear because he's going to be a really big part of the team next year. And if he's more comfortable wearing number five or feels better in it, all the more power to him and to the Zags for letting him switch that jersey number heading into his second season. All right, we're going to come back in the third and final segment of today's show. Speaking of players who wore number five in a Gonzaga uniform, we're going to talk about Gary Bell. Gary Bell has a new job as an assistant coach at Northern Arizona University. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Gonzaga's prolific coaching tree right after this. All right, segment three, still any patents, still locked on Zag. Still appreciate you all making this your first listen of the day. Want to talk here about Gonzaga guard, former Gonzaga guard Gary Bell. Gary Bell was recently hired at Northern Arizona University as an assistant coach. For those of you who did not know, Gary Bell has spent the last three years on Gonzaga's bench. He was a graduate assistant for two years, got his master's degree, spent last year in a role as coordinator of basketball administration, I don't know exactly what his role was, but I can tell you right now that coaching staffs have a finite number of actual coaches they can have on the roster. Per NCAA rules, per compliance officers, you can only have a certain number of coaches and other people who are on staff are forbidden from doing coaching activities. 
That does not mean that they do not do coaching activities, perhaps in, in ways that they can get away with. But I remember when I worked at Seattle U, when I worked at the University of Portland, like if you were a graduate assistant and you were like, I remember one of my friends was a soccer graduate assistant with, with her, her soccer program where she had recently graduated and kicking the ball to the girls during warmups right before they, you know, they would go out, they would run, you know, run around a circle, get the ball kicked to them, try to score a goal just in warmups. You can't do that. Even as a GA, if you're not a coach, you weren't allowed to do that. I don't know how much the rules have changed. It's per, it's possible that they have, but they're pretty stringent about that stuff. So Gary was not a coach last year. I'm sure that he was offering his insight and his analysis, a very good basketball mind, obviously an extraordinarily talented basketball player, but there were limits to what he was capable of doing. So it's fantastic to see him go from that to immediately being an assistant coach. He got bumped straight into an actual coaching role. Of course, there's a big difference between being at Gonzaga and being at Northern Arizona, but this is still an awesome accomplishment for Gary. Clearly, this is the direction he wants to go in his professional career. He has taken a monumental leap forward in that regard. Being an assistant coach at a Division I basketball program, that is not an easy thing to do. So big hats off to Gary for getting there. He was recommended to the Northern Arizona staff by both Mark Few and Tommy Lloyd. Pretty darn good to be able to get recommendations from two coaches who had number one seeded teams in the NCAA tournament last year. Uh, also, Tommy's son, Liam Lloyd, is a guard at Northern Arizona University. I think Tommy would have given Gary a tremendous, tremendous recommendation regardless, and I think that it would have carried a lot of weight regardless. But if you're the head coach at Northern Arizona, and not only is this very, very talented, elite, high-level coach saying, yes, you should hire that guy. But he's saying it knowing that his kid is going to be coached by him. Gary is going to be working specifically with the guards and with the offense. Liam is a guard. Like, he's going to work directly with Tommy Lloyd's kids. So for Tommy to go out there and say, yes, this is a guy you should hire, really shows the faith that he has. And presumably that Mark Few, who employed Gary for a year after he was a GA for two years, they wouldn't have done that if they didn't think he was going to help their basketball team be better. So for those two programs to both have these encouraging words to say about Gary Bell is a tremendous sign of the respect they have for him and really the, the path that he's on to be a successful coach in this industry. He also joins a fraternity of former Gonzaga players who are coaching at the Division I level. I apologize in advance if I am missing anyone from this list. It is a really difficult thing to look up, uh, but I tried my best to find as many D coaches at the Division I level. There are plenty of other former Gonzaga basketball players who are coaching in some capacity, whether it's D3, NIA, high school, whatever it may be. But the ones that are coaching at the D1 level that I could find are, of course, the two on Gonzaga staff, Coach Brian Michelson, the associate head coach, Coach Stephen Gentry, who's one of the assistant coaches, of course, Gary Bell, who we just spoke about, and then Kyle Bankhead, a former guest of the Locked On Zags podcast. He was recently hired at the University of San Francisco. Prior to that, he had been at Abilene Christian. He had been a head coach at the high school level previously, and he had also spent many years as an assistant coach at the University of San Diego. So you have those three, those four guys, excuse me, Gary, Gentry, B-Mike, and Kyle Bankhead. You also have Rem, who's working at Arizona. He's not in a coaching role yet. That is very clearly the direction that he is going, and he will likely be in that field in in some capacity very soon again he's kind of a he's not a coach officially right now but he's still working with the players still has a, a significant role on the sideline with the team just not the official coach title but that's a really great group 
of, of coaches right there, of former players right there, many of them, Rem being the Rem and Gary being the exception, the other three all kind of played early in Mark Few's tenure. Gary was kind of right in the middle of Few's tenure. Of course, Rem was a little bit later than Gary. They overlapped, I believe, for two years. Uh, and then Rem, of course, was there a little bit later. But when you have a, a program that has had as much success as Gonzaga has had, it's not surprising to see this kind of tree develop. We've talked about the former Gonzaga coaches and, and the success that they have had. Obviously, Tommy Lloyd is one. Leon Rice is one of the most, if not the most successful head coach in Boise State basketball history. Uh, you have Dan Monson, who went to Minnesota, who then, of course, turned around and went to Long Beach State. Long Beach State won the Big Sky, or excuse me, the Big West last year. It's a really tremendous group of, of former coaches former Gonzaga assistant coaches who are having a lot of success as head coaches, but you also have this fraternity of former Gonzaga players who are now cutting their teeth as assistant coaches. For few to have kind of been there through all of this, to see all of these, you know, former assistants become head coaches, former players become assistant coaches. We're not quite to the point of former players becoming head coaches just yet, but we're getting very, very close to that. Kyle could be a head coach very soon. I think Brian Michelson is probably in line next uh, for the Gonzaga coaching job. That was obviously Tommy's job for a very, very long time. It's still possible, depending on the timeline for Mark Few, that Tommy could come back and take that job. I don't know how likely that is. It's impossible to know because Mark Few could coach for two or three more years or like 12 or 15. Like I, It's really hard to gauge how much longer Few is going to do this. I don't think a lot of people thought Jay Wright was going to call it when he did. Of course, you have guys like Jim Beheim and Tom Izzo who seem like they're going to coach forever. Where Few falls in that kind of group is hard to say. I don't think he's going to be coaching anywhere else. <laughs> he's going to be at Gonzaga until the day he decides he doesn't want to coach anymore. Uh, whether that is is Brian Michelson replacing him, whether that's Tommy Lloyd coming back and replacing him, whether they go an entirely different direction, of course, remains to be seen. But seeing how many of, of Mark Few's former players have gotten into the coaching profession and have had success getting into the coaching profession is a really strong testament to the kind of player that they recruit and then the kind of development that they get under Coach Few, under the rest of the coaching staff while they're in Spokane. All right, that is going to do it for me today. Don't forget to check out my written content at scorezagscore.com. We got one more episode coming out later this week right here on the Locked On Zags podcast, which is available wherever you get your podcasts and available on YouTube as well. Finally, thank you again to those of you who have made Locked On Zags your first listen of the day. Locked On WCC doesn't exist yet, but you can get more informed on the West Coast happenings by making Locked On Pac-12 your second listen of the day. Host Spencer McLaughlin and the local experts of Locked On take you across the Pac-12 in 30 minutes, five times per week. All right, thank you all for listening, and go Zags.